0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Choices are great. Like with your podcasts, you get to choose what you want to listen to. And State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you get the coverage you want at an affordable price and a policy that helps cover what you value most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host Paladino Joey, or Joey A. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. A victory for the Minnesota Vikings, pretty convincingly on the scoreboard. A little scare in the middle, and we just kind of took off. And uh, that's all there was to say. Minnesota wins today, 41 to 17 over the Miami Dolphins. And yes, you see a different philosophy offensively. You see a lot of what Mike Zimmer was looking for, running the ball more often. You got to see pretty much what I predicted. Delvin Cook getting 140 yards and two touchdowns. Does that sound pretty much exactly what I predicted? The only thing different is uh, the score. It's a little bit higher than I predicted. So yeah, you know, (laughs) the offense really took it to Miami. And yes, Miami's defense is not that good, though they had some promising moments. And, of course, Kirk Cousins did his usual blue screen of death. He does it every single week. He does it every single week. In fact, Kirk Cousins leads the NFL with 17 total turnovers, ladies and gentlemen. But that's the extent of my negative talk, at least for the most part. Wasn't a perfect game or anything, but it was a very well-played game, well-executed. You got to see pretty good blocking by the offensive line, quite honestly. Um, Kirk Cousins only sacked twice, though he was hurried quite a few times here and there. And then, of course, he... I don't know, again, just another weird brain fart where you're just kind of watching it happen. You're thinking, oh, no, that's not real, is it? And then, yeah, it's real. And then it was nothing but a pick six going the other way. And that's how Miami got on the board in the second period, second quarter, pardon me, after the Vikings opened up 21 to nothing, all pretty much 100 yards on the ground, Kirk Cousins had a perfect quarterback rating at that time, the 158.3, the unbeatable. Uh, Dan Bailey made every kick, and he looked like Dan Bailey. He looked like the Dallas Dan Bailey, the number five for the Dallas Cowboys. Remember that guy who basically made everything, pretty much led the NFL in field goal percentage, literal field goal percentage. We're not talking basketball. We're talking real field goals like NBA type, or NFL type, I'm sorry. But uh, it was a beautiful thing to see. You get to see. You got to see big moments, big plays by both clubs. Delvin Cook officially on the ground, 136 yards, two touchdowns. Had that little breakout early with 26 yards. Even Latavius Murray had an 18-yard scamper to pay dirt later in the game. Uh, Just, you know, you got to see a balance pretty much of the running backs. Uh, You got to see entire series where it was just Latavius. You got to see entire series where it was just Delvin Cook. Uh, Very balanced offense, which is uh, pretty much what I like. I, I like to see both running backs get utilized because I think Latavius Murray is a good running back, and Galvin Cook is a possible superstar. That's what gives you hope that the Vikings' window will not close all too soon, because Dalvin Cook's just in his second year. Latavius Murray, I think, deserves at least somewhat of a raise, and to be on the roster next year. Because I think if you let Latavius Murray go via free agency, I think that's a big mistake. I think you're making a huge mistake. I can't imagine Latavius Murray asking the Vikings to break the bank, and to deny the Vikings any opportunity of acquiring a right guard. Though... Very honestly, I probably go go via the draft for the right guard and then uh, versus free agency. Uh, you get to see future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, kind of the you know two yards clouded dust against this Vikings defense, and then unfortunately an ankle injury. You get to see Kalen Belange have a barrage, <laughs> seventy five yards to pay dirt, basically to open up the <sighs> to open up the second half. That didn't take long. I mean, it was like oh, after that little. 10-0 run by the Miami Dolphins to kind of sort of get back in the game. They were right back in the game, and it was like, okay. So, big change there. Vikings go from a team that could score at will, including the, the first three drives of the game for Minnesota were pretty much flawless. Again, like I said before, Kirk Cousins was literally perfect. Dan Bailey, well... <laughs> he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't make any kicks in the first half other than his extra points. He made all of those, too. You didn't see anything funny up in there. You got to see Murray scammer from 18, Cook scamper from 13, making it look easy. Again, you got to see Kirk Cousins after some really good runs by Delvin Cook to set this thing up. Basically, it was just run, run, run. Run, baby. Right side, left side, and very little up the gut except in short yardage plays. You got to see two quarterback sneaks on third and short, which versus zero in the past under a previous offensive coordinator, so that's where you come out feeling pretty pretty good. Um, you feel pretty good. You finally beat a team that was over 500. Unfortunately for Miami, their chances of making the playoffs have dropped dramatically. This was, what, their 11th loss on the road in the last 12 games, I believe, so they've really struggled on the road. They're kind of, they're kind of Timberwolves alike, because the Wolves are actually 0-11, so Miami really struggling on the road the last couple of years, so that's another thing to factor in, but hey, you got to win the game, first and foremost. At the end of the day, yes, there is a sugar high going on. But at the same time, well, the offense looked better when Pat Schirmer took over, too, didn't it? So, I mean, I don't know. Vikings ran the ball almost 50% of the time last year. This year, 33% of the time. That's a big difference under uh, John DiFilippo. But today, it was really something. It was pretty balanced. I mean, that's pretty much... I mean, to be quite honest, that is pretty much the word of this offense. Balance. Balance. None of this Randy Ratio bullcrap. None of this, oh, we have the best quarterback ever, so let's attempt 50 passes. None of this, oh, you know, the running game isn't working on the first two plays of the game, so just pass, 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 baby. None of that. No, no. Balance. Balance balance. And, you know, none of this oh, well, the uh, the running game is working, but we're behind, so we have to pass the entire game anyway no matter what. No matter what. Even though you got like a quarter and a half to play, we gotta pass the whole time because we're only, because we're down by 10 points against the Patriots, even though Delvin Cook is running all over them. No, no, just keep passing. Stop it. Stop it. Keep passing. We don't want to burn the clock. You, you, you moron, basically is what the approach was from John D. Filippo, I think. And, uh, well... <laughs> It didn't. It just wasn't wise. I mean, the running game was working against the New England Patriots today. You play against the Miami Dolphins, who you know they're not that bad of a team. I mean, they're well coached. They're well. They're good at executing ser- uh, plays here and there. Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback, but obviously he looked pretty awful today because the Vikings' defense made him look awful. But um, again, you took care of business against a team whose running game is way down there in the bottom fifth of the league, pretty much. I mean, we're talking in the upper twenties. So. Just run the flippin' ball. And the Vikings ran the flipping ball. And then, well, Kirk Cousins attempted 21 passes. Unfortunately, one of them was just a complete mind-numbing, idiotic, same old story, blue screen of death. You got the, <laughs> you've got everything covered. You're feeling great. And bam, there it went. And Miami got back in the game for a little while, and then the fourth quarter happened, and that was all she wrote, including a pretty good drive that ended up in a field goal, unfortunately, because of uh, just could not get the first down, couldn't complete the passes down the stretch. Sounds familiar from previous weeks. Just could not complete the passes on third down, because it was third and long on some of those, and, well, <clears> he <throat> settled for the field goal. But again, Dan Bailey getting the job done, putting the Vikings up by a touchdown at the at one point and then ultimately putting the Vikings up by more and more and more. And then and then things got much and much easier. Dalvin Cook able to run all the way after Miami turned the ball over on Downs in their territory because they're they're desperate. They're trying to get something going and it didn't work out. 33 to 17 at the time. And then again, yep, Dalvin Cook was able to scamper. Twenty-one yards to pay dirt, making it look easy because that's how he rolls and was a beautiful overall game by the offense, including, again, the, the great play of Kirk Cousins to Aldrich Robinson. That was the play of the game in terms of the, the passing game. Kirk Cousins, perfect pass. And this is the tease right here. He's capable of making these kind of plays. The kind of plays that make you say, this guy is a hair under the great quarterbacks in the NFL. And then you see the other plays, you see the lack of vision here and there, and that's what separates him, and that's why he's a second-tier quarterback. Which is okay, as long as you're ahead enough, as long as you balance your bleep in offense, then you got a chance to actually be okay. Just in case there is a blue screen of death, you just might survive it. And the Vikings survived it today because the defense was good enough. You're up by enough points. Defense is ever capable of shutting down anybody on third down, even the best teams in the league. Minnesota ever capable of doing that, except for the first couple games in the season. But luckily that's way back in the past now. Um, But you're able to survive the blue screen of death. And you're able to enjoy the little teases that Kirk Cousins is able to do. These wonderful passes to Aldrich Robinson that happen every now and then. This one, a 40-yard play. And I mean, it was perfect. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better at all. Uh, The fakes again as well. The fake handoffs. The option plays that really helped this club down the stretch. And, you know, it helped get... uh, Stefan Diggs open for that early touchdown and that opening drive. Of course, Miami was thinking run because that's pretty much what we were doing. And then things went oh so well after that. Um, again, the pick six happened. Then you had the 75 yard scamper where just players taking bad angles, including, uh, unfortunately, Kendricks. Eric Kendricks took that uh, bad angle on Kalen Balage, of course, Frank Gore's replacement in the uh, second half of the game there. And away he went for 75 yards. So that was pretty much the. Big play that hurt the defense. Other than that, again, seven points put on the board via Kirk Cousins. Gift-wrapped. Gift-wrapped into the Miami Dolphins. Congratulations there. Ten points officially from the Miami offense at the end of the day. So, it is what it is. Wonderful defense. Much better. Much more balanced. Much more balanced. Did I say balanced today or not? It's like you want to call the title of this episode Cooking Some Fish or Cooking Fish because Delvin Cook was Cooking Fish today, boy. But it's like, I don't know. I think I'm going to go in that direction. And that's what I was thinking hours ago when Calvin Cook was running all over this club. But it's like, I swear, that just balance. Balanced offense. I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what can get you... Uh, that's, what, that's how you can optimize the talent that this team truly has. And you can also <laughs> eliminate, <laughs> eliminate some of the shortcomings of this offensive line. Remmers, it was like right out of the gate. Mike Remmers, great block for Delvin Cook. The first run of the game, Mike Remmers, beautiful. And it was, again, 21 yards forward. I mean, it was like, oh my God, this is great. I mean, right out of the gate. What, a, what an amazing sign that was. That great block by Mike Remmers up there as a, <laughs> at the moment, a right guard, which is what he's not, obviously. Uh, left guard, hopefully Nick Easton could come back. It's going to be interesting to see what you do with Remmers versus uh, Brian O'Neill going into next year. Because Brian O'Neill is a really nice right tackle. He's not a spectacular player, but he has far exceeded anybody's expectations this year. It's like Let's pretend he's like a hockey player or something. He would have been in the AHL with absolutely just about zero chance of being called up to the NHL. Not because he stinks, but because he's not ready for the NHL yet. And that's basically how a lot of people saw Brian O'Neal coming in. Whereas an injury and this and that, and then you have to call him up and oh, I guess he's not going back down. (laughs) This and that. In fact, he's on the top line or whatever the heck it would be. Top defensive pairing. So, shout out to Brave the Wild there. Brave the Wild podcast, highly recommended by somebody. Somebody records that one. I forget who that is. Some crazy guy who's not that good at it. (laughs) No. Uh, Whatever. But uh, wonderful overall uh, balanced approach today. I've repeated that about a billion times. And then you talk about the defense. Let's also say, again, a shout out to Kai Tyler Konkin. That 33-yard catch Able to stay in there. Looked like he had a concussion with the collision that took place there on that one. Tyler Conkin actually catching the ball, hanging on to it, and making some nice plays. He ended up leading the team in receiving yards. Um, did I say balance? I mean, look at all the players. Look at all the receivers in this game. That, you know, nobody came off with 150 yards, this and that, because I swear Adam Thielen is getting completely canceled out by defenses throughout the lake two, two catches, two targets in the game. 19 yards for Adam Thielen kind of sad. Uh, Treadwell was targeted only once, but then you get Tyler Conkin with 53 yards, Stefan takes 49, Elder Robinson in 44, Delvin Cook 27, Kyle Rudolph 23. Nothing spectacular, but then again, Miami's pass defense is better than the run defense. And well, when the run game's working and Miami's ever capable of forcing turnovers, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and head that direction, even though their best player defensively was unavailable today. The guy with the seven touchdowns that I talked about last week. Seven interceptions, pardon me. The Miami safety last week. Unavailable in today's game. Uh, Minnesota with nine sacks. That's right, nine sacks. So just under the new team record by Minnesota going into, into the Detroit game. Nine sacks. So now already this team, this current team, the 2018 Minnesota Vikings, as mediocre as their record is, 7-6-1. and one, have more sacks than any friend than any team the Minnesota Vikings have had under Mike Zimmer. So and that's a pretty good defense. So this team now is a team total, team total, most sacks ever by a Mike Zimmer team. So incredible. Anthony Barr, two sacks. Tom Johnson, one sack. Everson Griffin, one sack, fairly late in the game. Daniel Hunter was in those moments when Miami was still in the game, getting those huge sacks, completely wiped them out. And that was the end of that. McKinsey Alexander again blitzed for a sack and he had a huge Pass deflection in the game. In fact, he had two. One of them was absolutely humongous. That would have been a game changing play for Miami. McKenzie Alexander's getting a lot better. There's no doubt about it. Ben Gideon was solid. Holden Hill didn't see too much action, but he deflected a pass, and he was all right out there. He wasn't targeted a whole lot either. Miami's offense just flat struggled in the game. Uh, Anthony Harris almost had an interception that would have negated Miami's three point, uh, one, one of Miami's field goals in there down the stretch Miami. Well, their only field goal, pardon me. The only field goal they had, that would have been negated if Anthony Harris could have been about a half second earlier for that interception. But nobody's mad at him. It was a good play defensively. Uh, Again, Eric Hendricks might have changed the game last week if he was able to actually be balanced. I I didn't even talk about it in the Seattle game because I was so pissed off and distracted. He would have had a uh, pick six on Mr... (laughs) Russell Wilson, and that would have been interesting because the Vikings would have had the lead at the half. Uh, Sheldon Richardson also added a sack in the game. He's, having a, he's had a pretty overall nice nice season, I'd have to say. He had a good game. Marcus Sherrill's had his biggest return of the year of 70 yards. That was pretty awesome as well. The way he was literally walking the tightrope on the sidelines. That was pretty damn awesome too. So what an overall awesome game. Even special teams was good. Dan Bailey made all of his kicks. The special teams, uh, again, Marcus Sherrill's was very solid including spectacular return there, and a guy I never talk about, the former Detroit Lion kicker, Amir, uh, kicker, kick returner slash running back is what he really was, Amir Abdullah, he only returned one kick and it was 24 yards, very solid, and he's been very good since joining the Minnesota Vikings, I barely, basically never talked about him, Amir Abdullah, the former Detroit Lion, he's basically the third running back, but we're very happy to have him. Uh, maybe he's the reason why you don't keep Latavius Murray, but I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see what happens at that. I like Amir Abdullah an awful lot, actually, but I love Latavius Murray, and I love Delvin Cook. I'd like to keep all three of them, if humanly possible. Of course, Delvin Cook is the no-brainer on Minnesota, hopefully for the next 10 years or so. Uh, Yes, sir. What a fun game, though. Fun overall game. You got to relax. You didn't feel any blood pressure coming up. I mean, even when it was 21 to 17, I wasn't that nervous. I don't know why, but I just didn't get all that nervous, partially because I kind of like the Dolphins a little bit, if you can tell when you listen to my show, the, one, when the tone in my voice when I talk about this team, you don't hear me kind of, you don't hear the blood pressure coming up and the hair standing up in the back of my neck like when I talk about Seattle, Pittsburgh, uh, Dallas, and of course <laughs> the Green Bay Packers, or even Detroit at times. Um. You just don't get that feeling where when I talk about the Miami Dolphins. The hair does not stand up on the back of my neck when I talk about them. Um, even the Dallas Cowboys years ago. Oh, whew, boy, very different situation here. The last two weeks for Dallas have been very magnificent and put them in position to wrap up their division in today's game. I'm looking at a score, and some of you know it, some of you don't. There are a couple of shutouts today, but that's a little hint as to what happened to the Dallas Cowboys. Another irritating victory by a team that's competing against us for the playoff hunt. That's not the Cowboys because somebody has to win the division. So, even if, again, like I said, even if Dallas is like 6-10 and 10 and they win the division, they're in the playoffs. It doesn't matter if we're 10-6 and six or whatever. They're in, you know. <laughs> so, it is what it is there. Uh, again, just a nice, solid nice, solid victory by Minnesota. The balanced offense. Just what more is there to say? Fran Tarkington Award for today's game. I'm going to give it to Dalvin Cook. He absolutely deserves it. Uh, Defensively, it's Danil Hunter again. I mean, it's like I I keep kind of passing it out to two sides because I don't want Danil Hunter or whoever else it is defensively to get ignored or one way or another. Unless, say, the defense just flat out dominated and the offense didn't. But I think the offense and the defense dominated today. I think they did. Outside of Kirk Cousins and his gosh darn Mickey freaking blue screen of death, which continues to happen. (sighs) <sighs> mm. Two more years and we have to make a decision on what we do at quarterback. Keep him or kick him to the curb. We'll see. But uh, Or he kicks us to the curb because we hurt his feelings too much. I don't know. <laughs> but Fran Tarkington Award is going to be shared. Of course, uh, Delvin Cook absolutely deserves it offensively. Daniil Hunter deserves it defensively. Daniil Hunter, to me, if there was an, you know, if today's game was the final game of the regular season. Daniel you know Hunter is the Fran Tarkington Award for 2018. He would be the second, he would be the second Fran Tarkington of the Year Award in three years. That's how good Daniel Hunter is. That's how good he is. He's he's that valuable to this team. Two in three years. And back then he wasn't even a starter. Back in 2016. That's how good that guy is. That's how I, I feel about him. Um, Dan Bailey, though, looks like the kind of guy you'd want to keep around another five plus years, which I wouldn't be against. I wouldn't. I just It would be nice to see him be the solid, reliable kicker he's been in the past. That would be freaking awesome, because we've been lacking that forever. Okay, so the Christian Potter Memorial. Can you guess who it is? Can you guess who it is? Hmm, Is it, uh, no. <laughs> is it Eric Hendricks, because he didn't make the tackle on that 75-yard scamper? Nah, though I, I guess it's almost as frustrating as the uh, Blue Screen of Death, but I'm going to give it to the old Blue Screen of Death. That's his nickname. Blue Screen of Death. Kirk Cousins. Or as one of my buddies, Jur at work says, curse Cousins. Because it's like, he just want to curse when he does those kind of plays. But um, Kirk Cousins, again, I mean, as good as he is, as spectacular as he is, those blue screens of death are about as reliable (laughs) as Dan Bailey was of the Dallas Cowboys with his kicks. That's how reliable it is. Every game, Dan Bailey made those kicks, right? Every game, Kirk Cousins has at least one play that leaves you speechless. And it's literally like, okay everything's going great, getting this report done, everything is sent, everything is, well, not sent, it's about to get sent, it's ready to go, or I'm just about done recording the podcast here, and bam, blue screen of death. You've got to be kidding. I just wasted 45 minutes of my life. Wow. Or, God knows how many minutes. That type of thing. That's, that's why Kirk Cousins is getting the uh, Christian Ponder Memorial for this episode. I hope I didn't say somebody else. I hope I said Christian Ponder. I hope I didn't say James Shepard. That would be the Brave the Wild show. The Christian Ponder Memorial is going to Kirk Cousins for that same old thing. Kirk Cousins. Not Kurt. With that said, Kevin Stefanski. I'm going to give an addendum and errata right now before I wrap up this segment. I just about did. I was just about to say I'll be right back, but no. Last show. At the end of the episode. For some bleeping reason, the name Ed Stefanski came out because I'm I've heard that name a million times. Ed Stefanski. That is Kevin Stefanski's father, an NBA executive. Very well-known guy named Ed Stefanski. It's Kevin Stefanski and I said Ed. So I deeply apologize. I know I've heard the name Ed so many times. So it's like, yep, it's Ed Stefanski. It just randomly came out in my head. So I deeply apologize. Kevin Stefanski and Denim and Arada for the last episode. With that said, let's uh, take a quick break, come back and look around the league, see how the playoff situations are setting up and Let's get ready for next week's game. we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number 2 time to look around the league and the NFC North and of course preview the Minnesota Vikings versus Detroit Lions another nooner next week which is great got to love those nooners and it's just a nice setup for all of us we got to enjoy uh this pretty warm balmy afternoon here in the twin cities it was in the mid 40s this afternoon if you can believe it yeah so those of you obviously not from Minnesota not in Minnesota currently it's pretty it's pretty darn warm for this time of year so something to think about there. Let's look across the league a little bit. We'll open up, of course, with, well, of course, tonight, Los Angeles Rams are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Foles, and the world champion Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Foles is back as the quarterback because Mr. Uh, (laughs) Carson Wentz has a back injury, so unfortunately for him, he's out at the moment, Philadelphia fighting for their playoff lives, and they have to do it in Los Angeles, and I love those home, uh, those home uniforms, those retro home uniforms. I like that they do that. They go in with that look. It's. Uh, I hope they never go away from it. Quite honestly, good idea. I'm guessing the Rams are probably going to win that game, but we'll monitor that during the course of this show. Carolina Panthers host the more than likely soon-to-be Super Bowl champion New Orleans Saints. That's just if they have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. We knew what happened last time, unfortunately. So uh, we all know what happened last time, and I don't know. I think this team's a lot better than the 2009 Saints, as good as that team was, and they won it all and all that, but oh boy. The other Los Angeles team, extremely impressive win today. I mean, this was a signature win for that franchise, of course, and um, especially since moving to LA, trailing 14-0 against uh, the young man over there, Patrick Mahomes, of course, future superstar and all that, but the Los Angeles Chargers, well, how about this? They are now, well, they're tied to the Kansas City Chiefs for the division lead now. 11-3. and three. Unbelievable. The LA Chargers just might host the AFC. That's absolutely nuts. They win by one point today. Nice, strong finish in the fourth quarter. Wow, uh, there's two teams with 11 wins in Los Angeles right now. That is extremely impressive. So the city of LA, just a couple years back, they had, they had nobody for about a 20-year period. Again, the L.A. Raiders moving to Oakland, moving back home to Oakland. The L.A. Rams moving to St. Louis, and then they move back to L.A. all these years later. And, of course, the Oakland Raiders off to Las Vegas. I think I talk about all those things pretty much every show, but what the heck. (laughs) Might as well say it again for some of the new listeners that might be listening at this stage. Very impressive win, though, for the L.A. Chargers. This is a road game, and there's something about this Chargers team that's, uh, well they just might do it this year. I've got a sneaky feeling. I mean, I think I think they're going to win the AFC. I mean, they, they could beat the Patriots. The Patriots lost again today. Clearly, they could beat the Chiefs on the road. So, I mean, I am I would be shocked. Let's just say I would be flat-out shocked if Kansas City beat the Chargers in L.A. So, I, I'd be flat-out shocked. I'm thinking I'm really beginning to see the L.A. Chargers winning the AFC this year. Uh, it's really uh, impressive what they're doing. Patrick Mahomes had, an, you know, a solid game. Obviously, very high completion percentage, didn't turn the ball over. Phillip Rivers, solid. He had a couple of turnovers, but his teammates backed him nicely, and of course, he still wound up getting the job done when it matters most. Justin Jackson, Mike Williams, both receiving touchdowns from him. Not the most spectacular numbers for the receivers and all that, or at least, well, they're they're okay at the end of the day. Mike Williams, actually, in the seventy six yards two touchdowns total just overall very strong performance for him and man i mean the kansas city i do feel for them again with some of the off-field drama that has taken place that i don't want to talk about at this stage that's for uh that's for all of you political fans out there that can get into that and social justice all that stuff i don't like to get into that too much if humanly possible Uh, at least not on this show right But the L.A. Chargers definitely look... I mean, that's my opinion right now. I think the Chargers are going to win the AFC. I really do. It's just a few weeks ago, it's like, oh, they're, they're scrappy. They might do something. Now it's like, I think they really are. I think they really are going to do something. Houston's another team that's emerged nicely over the course of the season. Of course, their schedule a bit easier than the L.A. Chargers' schedule. But hey, 10-4 and four is not bad. They're looking good. I mean, maybe they're going to finish 11-5, and 12-4 this year. First place in the AFC South... I mean, they, they, I don't know, they're, they're, they're fighting for, they're fighting for a first round bye still, there's a possibility, they put the Jets to 4 and 12, uh, 4 and 10, pardon me, this was in New York also, by the way, MetLife Stadium, 29 to 22, strong performance, uh, Mr. Hopkins there, holy cow, Deshaun Watson also getting sharper and sharper, almost 80% completion percentage, quarterback rating 134.2, did not turn the ball over, Sam Darnold had one of his best games in a while, he did not turn the ball over, it's a miracle. No turnover for Sam Darnold. That's pretty damn good. At the end of the day, uh, the star overall, though, at least on the receiving side, DeAndre Hopkins, 170 yards. Adam Thielen-like numbers earlier in the season with a couple of touchdowns. Man, awesome. Awesome game for the Houston Texans. They continue to climb, and they're going to make the playoffs this year without a doubt, I'd have to say. (laughs) Cleveland Browns beating Keith Keenum and the Denver Broncos. The Cleveland Browns have six wins. They are one game under five hundred. That is some... Crazy stuff, considering what the Cleveland Browns were two years ago. 0-16, oh, and, and then last year, was it 1-15? Yeah, what a difference a coach makes, huh? <laughs> what a difference a year makes for poor Case Keenum, too. Different team, this and that. Couple of interceptions, could not get the job done. That's it for Denver. They're 6-8, and eight. they're done. I mean, Cleveland is more likely to make the playoffs than the Denver Broncos. Cleveland is more likely to make the playoffs than the Denver Broncos. That is saying... More than a lot right there. Uh, I'm Couldn't be happier for uh, a lot of the Cleveland Browns fans out there, including Vince Germano out of Australia. Baker Mayfield looks like the goods. Had a couple of turnovers today, a fumble loss, and an interception. But still, yeah, you know, good enough against a pretty good Denver defense that's still hanging around. Atlanta finally let out their frustration against the poor Arizona Cardinals. I sympathize with that team because I I like Arizona. I do. You might think I'm kind of weird or something saying that, but... I like Arizona, and I feel for them, but we'll we'll see. I mean, get that offensive tackle or uh, whatever it is. Maybe save us that offensive tackle or guard. That's what Arizona needs probably right now, or really anything. They they have their quarterback of the future, or so they want you to believe. Atlanta again taking out their frustrations on this season. All over Arizona, forty to uh, to forty to fourteen. They have nine losses already. Matt Ryan and, cl- and Co. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's probably going to be a coaching change. As good as Dan Quinn was just two years ago. Things have really um, come, come apart in a big way. They're just coming apart at the seams. Mike Glennon got a significant amount of snaps I think he performed a lot better than Josh Rosen. Came in in relief. Josh Rosen just was horrible. Mike Glennon was respectful, I guess, putting a couple points on the board down the stretch. That's about all there is to say. Uh, Josh Rosen does not look like uh, much, in my opinion. Three turnovers in the game. I don't know. I don't know. He's kind of in over his head right now. We'll skip the Detroit and Buffalo Chicago Green Bay for now. That's the NFC North already. Cincinnati also taking out their frustrations on another very inferior team. 30-16 to 16 over the Oakland Raiders. Raiders 11 losses on the season. Cincinnati they're done for the year just like Denver. 6-8 and eight with the win. That's how done Cincinnati was even coming into the game. Derek Carr just back to his usual mediocre self. I don't know. Completing about half of his passes. Just nothing... To talk about, really, there. Jeff Driscoll. Not Phil Driscoll, but Jeff Driscoll. Turnover and such. Not a very spectacular game, but Joe Mixon really picked up the slack, got the job done, and the Cincinnati defense did a couple of good things as well. Uh, Joe Mixon, spectacular out there. 130 yards, almost five yards a carry. That's Terrell Davis-like. A couple of touchdowns as well. It's literally a Terrell Davis type of game for Joe Mixon. and Good for him. Jordy Nelson, one of the, basically the only bright spot for the Oakland Raiders. The former Green Bay Packer, we all know. Still looking good out there. 44-yard reception along the way. Darren Walker as well. So a couple of opportunities for Oakland that just did not generate a whole lot at the end of the day. Unfortunately for Oakland, they're just finished. Uh, Indianapolis, this is a game I was talking about earlier. Interesting thoughts here coming in. Dallas lost their sixth game of the season today. And it's interesting to think the Vikings have six losses. So Dallas, I mean, just, just again... Like a Daniel Carlson makes his kick, whatever, it would be nice if he's still on the team and having the success he is in Oakland. But uh, Indianapolis won their eighth game today in Lucas Oil Stadium. So it wasn't like it was in Dallas, but they shut out the Cowboys completely. 23-0. to What a difference a coach makes. Again, a, a, a different coach, a different approach, and The Indianapolis Colts, a team that looked like they were left for dead the last two to three years, except in U.S. Bank Stadium in 2016 anyway, when they rolled all over the Vikings like we weren't even there. It was ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, if Zimmer was on the hot seat coming into that game, he would have been fired by Monday morning. I mean, it was that kind of a game. It was that kind of silly bad. But uh, Dallas Cowboys, down they go again. Mm, After they had a couple of bright weeks there, surviving that Philadelphia game last week and that... uh, pretty spectacular win over the New Orleans Saints giving them only their second loss of the season. In fact, basically shutting out the New Orleans Saints. Unbelievable performance. And they get run pretty good today by Indianapolis. So, interesting thought there. Indianapolis Colts look pretty damn good actually. and It's been a while since they've been this good. And and Andrew Luck didn't even have that great of a game. Dak Prescott wasn't anything to brag about either. Marlon Mack was the reason. Indianapolis Colts. I mean, they basically did, did what Delvin Cook did. Basically just took it to him, run the ball, more than five yards a carry, nothing big and long either. He was just consistent, a couple of touchdowns, unfortunately he lost a fumble, but it led to nothing for the Dallas Cowboys. That's the end of that. Tennessee over New York, 17-0, to there's not a whole lot to really talk about there. I mean, that's just, eh, you know, Tennessee's kind of hanging in there, this and that, New York shut out. So much for Pat Shermer's offense, which looked a little promising for a couple weeks. They got him up to five wins, which is not bad. Tennessee, eight and six, so they're very much in the playoff hunt, which unfortunately for the Miami Dolphins, that's a bad, bad, bad game for Miami. Unfortunately, that's a bad, bad thing for the Miami Dolphins. Hopes of making the playoffs with Tennessee winning their eighth game, along with Indianapolis doing the same down the stretch here. Big, uh, big deal there, definitely. This one's a very big deal. As awful as Jacksonville is, it's like you figure Washington's pretty much left for dead, this and that, and they were trailing Jacksonville the whole game, and then at the last minute, Washington escapes and wins their seventh game of the season. Ah, so the Washington Redskins are still alive. They're still hanging in there. And, well, I still think the Vikings would make the playoffs over the Washington Redskins. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Washington uh, in, in situation right now. Josh Johnson had a respectable game, but that that's about it. Just, you know, a couple of game managers out there, Cody Kessler and Josh Johnson. This must have been a beauty to watch. Adrian Peterson, 41 yards, or forty-fifty-one 51 yards on the ground. A pretty pretty uh, meager effort here at best. About two and a half yards a carry. Not the best night for him, or afternoon for him anyway. Washington getting their seventh win, or, and wow, that's just how it is. I mean, when you play a team as awful as Jacksonville, I guess... Uh, Still a chance. You're telling me there's a chance, right? Baltimore Ravens 20-12. to 12. After Tampa Bay took an early lead, Baltimore kind of took over and won their 8th game. Again, adios Miami unfortunately, barring some type of miracle where there's more Miami miracles to come. Lamar Jackson, the new quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, at least for now. Another not so great game though. I mean, they're more focused on the run, I'd have to say, in a big way. Very much so, in fact. I mean, we're talking like about 40 carries here. Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson, <laughs> and Lamar Jackson obviously, yeah, be, being more of a runner than a passer so far, and he was spectacular with with uh, Louisville Cardinals there, he was spectacular for a long time, I thought he was going to be the number one pick in the draft a couple of years ago, and then he wound up being the final pick of the first round, just like Teddy Bridgewater this past spring, 95 yards on the ground. And Gus Edwards, more than almost six yards of carry, got, got in the end zone once, pretty much owning the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down the stretch. As we like to continue, slowly but surely. San Francisco over Seattle. Oh my. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All that excitement for the... <laughs> this makes me smile, and I think it makes every Viking fan smile, and also maybe a little bit annoyed, too. Yes, it's a divisional game. Yes, it was a road game for Seattle, but they got beat by San Francisco. I beat by the 49ers. Oh my goodness. He had to go to overtime and everything. But San Francisco got their fourth win of the season. Nick Mullins, you know, he hasn't done a bad job, has he? He he really hasn't. And Russell Wilson was good. Very efficient. Both quarterbacks in the in the hundred teens in this game in quarterback rating. No turnovers of any kind. Only three sacks each. Very solid. Chris Carson, again, the young super rookie there. Running back. Very good game. Very solid performance. 119 yards and a touchdown. Matt Breda, not nearly as good for San Francisco, but they just got the job done despite even the return of Doug Baldwin. So very nice to see San Francisco survive. Robbie Gold making four field goals. 49ers able to get in field goal range, and that's what got it done. Robbie Gold, the former Chicago Bear, was as good as Gold. Yeah, I know, that's cute, but... uh Hey, off the leg of Robbie Gold, and that got the job done. They got in field range, and Gold did not screw up. Joel did not choke and let his team down, including the final kick of the game. So Robbie Gold definitely would be the Joe Montana Award winner for the San Francisco 49ers, I would have to say. The Pittsburgh Steelers just beat the Patriots. Patriots just could not get anything going. They're still in first place in their division, but now they have five losses on the season, and Pittsburgh's 8-5-1. and one. I wish the Vikings were 8-5-1, and one, but we're well, we're 7-6-1, and one, so yeah, one of the cute little games we'd have had. We'd have eight wins. It's just one little thing. It's amazing how one little thing here and there, one bounce of the ball, one just whatever it is. Like how things set in motion and the game falls apart. Even that Saints game, everything fell apart after Adam Thielen fumbled and really he hasn't been the same since that moment. Pittsburgh, well, they're just, a, they're just better today. A road game for New England. They just did not show up to play. And Jalen Samuels has been fantastic. In the absence of on Bell, as has Stephen Ridley, they've showed up nicely. Jalen Samuels, really a great game, though. Gosh, 25 yards was as long, and yet he averaged almost 8 yards a carry. New England just struggled the whole game. Despite opportunity after opportunity for the Patriots, they just could not get the job done. And then you had an interception by Tom Brady in the red zone. Well, I mean, normally the game would have been tied 17-17, basically, in that situation. But it just didn't happen, so heartbreaking, disappointing, and that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, wow, well, strange to see the Patriots as a 9-5 team, but uh, that's reality. They're, man, I, I don't know, they're going to have a hard time winning the AFC this year, but I guess anything is possible. I mean, the 88-49ers were 10-6, and six, so but everybody knew they were still the best team in the world, and we all know what happened at the end of the day. Philadelphia leads 3-0 over the Rams, but now they're very much in the red zone. Jared Goff, play action, and it went to Gurley anyway. And wow, that guy is about, about the about the best running back in the NFL, I'd have to say. So, Buffalo-Detroit, wow, what a meh game this is. Just meh. Buffalo gets the job done, 14-13. to 13. The Vikings couldn't keep them to 14 points. <laughs> we still would have lost that game, which is really sick when you think about that. Detroit only manages 13 points. Nice black and blue game against the Buffalo Bills, who now have the same record as the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia not feeling good right now. I can't imagine. That's uh, that's, that's nasty. Uh, Josh Allen, again, the world's best running quarterback at this stage. Well, kind of. Not today, though. Not today. The, uh, he, got, he did get in the end zone. He did get in the end zone, but Detroit not having it. So good on them, at least. But, again, Detroit not coming out as victors at the end of the day. Something else. Just a mediocre, yucky, boring game on both sides, Chicago well they did what we thought they were going to do in the season opener against Green Bay, the way they were playing they've now won their 10th game of the season and boy if somehow the Eagles upset the Rams, which would shock the heck out of me, don't look now, but the Bears might wind up with the freaking first round bye, and if they do, well it's going to get really interesting then because I think they go to the NFC title game against the Saints, I think so, and I think that possibility is very strong that it could happen that way Chicago Bears, this was not the best game ever. Green Bay is on a little bit of a sugar high, though, with their coaching change. That kind of sounds familiar to the Vikings right now with the uh, offensive coordinator. But a solid game by the Bears. They just got the job done 24-17. Green Bay had a really strong third quarter, making things interesting. But the Chicago Bears defense really took charge late. And, of course, the Bears end up finishing the game with their 10 points, getting the job done. Mitchell Trubisky and all that, and of course getting into field goal range. Well, that's just kind of oh, how it is. I'm still <clears throat> skeptical of Mitchell Trubisky, but this was a pretty solid game for him. In fact, downright awesome. You're going against one of the worst defenses in the NFL, but hey, go out there and get the job done, and Mitchell Trubisky did, or Mitch Mitchell, whatever you want to call him, but a nice game. Nonetheless, quarterback rating 120, a couple touchdowns, no turnovers, and only got sacked once. Again, that mobility... Rearing its ugly head, he's absolutely a dangerous guy. When he's when he has a chance to get a step on you, he will get that step, and you will not get the sack. And that's where Mitchell Trubisky's value truly is. Green Bay is a force to be reckoned with. At some point later on, with a different coach, depending on who they hire, and if it's John DiFilippo, Filippo, well, it's a kick-ass offense. And uh, well, we'll see what happens with that. I don't know. John D. Filippo is not going to be the coach of the Green Bay Packers. He, he he might be the quarterback coach if he's lucky, right? He won't be the offensive coordinator either. (laughs) I don't think... (laughs) Poor guy. It is what it is, but the Bears first place in the NFC North. There's your NFC North roundup. Green Bay and Chicago meshed together. Um, Look at me going into Detroit first, which is kind of stupid, but I don't know. I just wanted to get that game out of the way because it's boring. Detroit yeah, Chicago is definitely the most important team in the division right now for the Vikings and for just in general for NFL fans. The Bears are the Bears are a Super Bowl team, I think. Honestly, not a Super Bowl championship. They're at least a NFC or let's say a conference final game uh, team. That's what I think the Bears potentially could be here. I would be I would not be surprised if the Bears got that far, getting past the, the conference final and into the Super Bowl. No, that's not going to be easy at all. If they do, they'll probably win the whole thing. Unless the Chargers have something to say about it. God, I'm going all over the place. Uh, Matthew Stafford, very efficient player. Obviously, he can scamper. He can do what he can. Detroit's got something of a running game. We stole one of their guys, of course. No, well, they let him go. Amir Abdullah and the Vikings were able to get him. Theo Riddick is a guy who's given the Vikings headaches in the past. Lagarrett Blunt, dangerous at times. But I like the Vikings' chances against Detroit, even if it is in Detroit, Matt Patricia's just, I don't know, I, I don't think it's a good match. I think Detroit had the right coach. Even though Jim Caldwell isn't the perfect guy, I thought he did a good enough job. I, I, I really do. I thought he was a better coach in Detroit than he was in Indianapolis. And heck, he got the Indianapolis Colts into the Super Bowl. Let's not forget that. Only did he get beaten pretty badly by the Saints in that game. But still, that team almost went 16-0, and man. Um, they almost did that year. Almost went 16-0, and the Colts team. Let's not forget that. Just because they didn't make it to the Super Bowl doesn't mean they weren't a really damn good team, or they didn't win the Super Bowl. Pardon me, doesn't mean they weren't a damn good team. Uh, Theo Riddick again, he's a dangerous guy here and there, but ah, why can't the Vikings beat Detroit? I mean, absolutely they can. Uh, Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay, definitely a force to be reckoned with as well. He's really emerged this year. 146 yards in this particular game. Wow, big, big, big showing there. 146 yards, couldn't get in the end zone though. This Detroit offense is sputtering in a big way. Uh, Kenny Galladay right now is right at 100, or yeah, he's just crossed the 1,000-yard mark with today's game and his sixth touchdown. Huge, huge performance for the Chicago-Illinois native. Uh, Just a recent draft pick a couple years back, just a year and a half ago anyway. Very, very, very awesome uh, performance. Uh, Absolutely strong. Gotta love what... uh, The Detroit Lions bring, right? No, I'm kidding. Not really. But I think the Minnesota Vikings should be able to take care of business. Minnesota Vikings have had a very good road record this year. Let's look at the Vikings in Detroit history. I know it's like we played them a million times and everything. This isn't like those uh, AFC games where it's a little more interesting because you don't play them very often. Like the Patriots, like the Dolphins, this and that. This is a team that Minnesota has had tons of success against long-term, but generally speaking, not so much until the last year and a half here minnesota again their last loss at home against detroit was just last year I remember and a lot of people will remind you that that was the game where minnesota lost uh home field advantage throughout the playoffs ultimately at the end of the day that was the one that did it like carolina just added to it but that was the one that actually truly mathematically did it at the end of the season that one was the one that was rearing its ugly head which is really annoying, because a 14-7 to game, because just because you couldn't stop a guy in third down, it was just ridiculous. Same old crap as the year before, but then the rest of the season, the Minnesota Vikings stopped everybody on third down and became historically good at it, and we're still number one in the league at it this year, despite an awful start to the season. Uh, since then, since last year's October 1st, 14-7 to loss. God, seven freaking points against the Lions. Jeez. And I remember Case Keenum sucked hard in that game, and a lot of people were ready for Sam Bradford to take over. I still remember that very well. And he did take over, and he hobbled around like a statue, and he couldn't do anything. And, and then Case Keenum took over and saved the day. That was kind of cool. Kind of. Kind of saved the day. No, he brought the energy. Minnesota won the Thanksgiving game, beating Detroit 30-23. to Detroit adding some points at the end of the game. And then a very easy, chill, almost like the Dolphins game today, but not as high-scoring. Uh, 24-9 win over Matt Patricia's club this year on the 4th. Very easy, chill victory. I think this game is going to be closer. It's going to be low-scoring again. Two defensive-minded coaches, even though, again, Matt Patricia's defense in New England wasn't that great. But sometimes it's the player's fault, too. Sometimes it's a combination of players and coaching. I don't know what to think about Matt Patricia. I think it's his approach. He's probably, yeah, he's better off as a coordinator. I don't think he's, like, that bad as a coordinator. I think he's a good coordinator. But again, the same old story. The how, how many times have we all, have we all gone over it with Bill Belichick, the uh, the coaching tree? It's just a joke. It never works out. So it just kind of is what it is when you sit down and think about it. It always dies. It doesn't sprout and grow roots, just like Mike Holmgren's coaching tree, like Bill Walsh's coaching tree, like Dennis Green's coaching tree. I mean, it's a you know ultimately all that came from Bill Walsh and it passed on. So pretty amazing how that happens. Like Bill Walsh was the Noah, and then Dennis Green and Mike Holmgren were like hem and sham or whatever. You know, Okay, I'm just, you get the idea how they passed on all these coaches. Pretty amazing how all these great coaches came from one original coaching staff that sprouted into new coaching staffs, and new coaching staffs, and new coaching staffs. That Mike Holmgren coaching staff in 1992, when you sit down and look at it for the Green Bay Packers, oh my God, it is the most impressive coaching staff you have ever seen, ever. When you consider what what men took over, what what those men were, or who those men are, and what they became afterward, anyway, is what I'm trying to say. Overall, Minnesota's history against Detroit: thirty nine, or excuse me, seventy three, thirty nine, and two. At the end of the day, hard to believe we actually tied, but we're talking. I don't know how far back, uh, nineteen sixty seven and nineteen sixty four. Wow, only fifty. 50- 51 years ago and 54 years ago. Hmm. Wow, a year, exactly one year to the day after the John F. Kennedy assassination. 11-22-64. Wow, wow, that's interesting. We tied the Detroit Lions twenty-three twenty-three in Detroit and then at Minnesota four years later on the 12th of November. To 10-10. 10-10 cute, but Minnesota will be the de- beat the Detroit Lions. We're going to go with the final score. Nice, solid, balanced offense. I think you're going to see a lot more Delvin Cook. No injury, damn it. No injury. Well, he survived the Detroit game this year, but no injury. <laughs> no injury, okay, with Delvin Cook against Detroit. Minnesota's going to score 24 points in the game. Nice, solid, balanced offense. We're going to score 24 points just like we did against Detroit. And at the end of the day, Detroit is going to find a way at home to get 20 points, I think, 24 to 20. Minnesota will survive the game. And we will get our official eighth win of the season. It took way too long to get it, but we'll get our eighth win of the season. Isn't that great? It took till December, like almost Christmas time, for crying out loud. But uh, it is what it is. It's just kind of how it's going to have to be. <sighs> wow. The 23rd, December 23rd. December twenty third, we're gonna get our eighth win of the season. I, you know, some people might have thought like the first time we played Detroit would have been our eighth win of the season, like November fourth or something, maybe even further back. But well, let's not get too greedy. But something like that. <sighs> wow, eighth or ninth win of the year, maybe? No, it just didn't turn out that way, did it? God, that's frustrating. But twenty four to twenty, Minnesota's gonna continue their balanced offense. The defense is gonna be good enough. Detroit's just not. They're just not mentally sound. They're not what they were a couple years ago. Last year, things were kind of falling apart for them, and that's why that's why Jim Caldwell didn't keep his job, unfortunately for him. And right now, I think they're worse than than last year in a lot of ways. And well, a lot of people will tell you that. You just watch. You just watch them play. The body language, all that. It's just not the same. There's no excitement at all with that team. Maybe a moment or two here and there, but generally speaking, it's not week-to-week. Week. It's just play-by-play, play and that's it. That's it. With that, we'll take a break. Come back for Fan Interaction and wrap this show up. And we are back here on Purple Mafia Fan Interaction Segment Twitter, Facebook, all that. So, first and foremost, there were no call-ins to this show. Just letting you know. Keeping up with that. At Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. Mad Martin, out of Northern Scotland, says, I see he's gone, that being John Filippo. Wonder what impact that will have in the final three games. Guess they roll with Kevin Stefanski. He's worked with a number of OCs now, and yes, he has. He's been here since 2006. That's pretty impressive that he's hung around that long. His 13th season with the club, all the way back, starting with uh, Brad Childress and the kick ass offense. Uh, Man Martin continues, says, Do you put this all on the OC? The O line has been an issue for years. You can put that on Slick Rick. When you cannot move the ball on the ground, it somewhat limits the play calling. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what the plays are, I suppose. Um, Being creative here and there. And it also depends on what kind of team you're going against. Miami had very questionable rush defense to begin with, so that was definitely favorable on our side. The offensive line looked pretty good today, but again, Miami's defense not really as good as it's been in recent years at the end of the day. Mad Martin says, The O-line is a coach killer. Zim wants balance. But when... The O-line cannot protect, cannot open lanes for the running game to function. How can you have balance? Yeah, it's tough. But luckily, amazingly, we did today. So, I mean, I guess it's going to continue to... We're just going to have to wait and see how things turn out in the Chicago game. And if Chicago has anything to play for at the end of the season here, will it just be their third seed? and They're trying trying not to get anybody hurt, trying to limit people's playing time in that game, like the Vikings were back in 94 and many other years, when we'd wrapped up the third seed. There was no second seed to be had. Blah, blah, blah. There was no, we don't have to worry about going on the road. We have the third seed wrapped up. Situation like that. So, we'll just have to wait and see here what the situation is with the Chicago Bears. Mad Martin says, need to restructure Cousins' contract next season and aggressively build up the O line to protect him. Many elite quarterbacks take pay cuts to help their team competitive. If he wants to win, he'll accept it. We need his cooperation and I hope so. I'm guessing the odds of that are very, very slim. Just my point of view, but I, boy, oh boy, if he does, if he does, that would be really nice and he would deserve some props from everybody. And I know you'll be like, oh, how generous. You well, know, yes, actually, yes. Because, I mean, how many people out there, to be honest, how many people, regardless what your pay, pay is, if it's $7 million a year or 70000 a year or 17000 a year, just the word pay cut generally sets you in the wrong mindset, and you start heading the other way going, why would I do that, though? This and that. I I doubt it. I really doubt it, but, boy, wouldn't that be amazing if it happened? It would really help. It would. Mad Mark continues, says, don't see another way to solve the situation. Sure, you can draft, O-line, and yes, they can, and that's the cheapest way to do it, and hope to God they go, they get the right people, like Pat line a couple of years ago. He says, but they will, but will they be ready next season? Yeah. Pat Offline was O'Neal. Surprisingly, was a lot more ready than we thought. Just had enough of some of the same crap. Need O line guru to coach them. Yeah, I uh, boy, it's a tough situation. It really is. Mad Martin on today's game says great podcast last week. Agree with everything. So first drive and a TD. Where the hell has that been? Anyone care to explain how a team can be so bad one week and red hot the next? Cannot just be the OC. It's the team you're playing against, for one. Even though Miami have just beaten the Patriots, which is extremely impressive. But, I don't know. I mean, Miami's defense, not that good. It was a lot of things. Apparently that OC was the kind of guy who didn't really listen to other people's opinions. Didn't really want to hear suggestions. He just kind of had his plan, and that's what it was. And he thought that was going to get him a head coaching gig one day. And, well, it didn't work out. That's what talk is out there. <laughs> that's what the talk is out there about uh, Mr. John Filippo. that he really wasn't the kind of a team player that you'd expect on a coaching staff, coaching players, you know, like a quarterback. Like, why not work with the quarterback a little better rather than this is the play, and that's, that's that. So basically the communication between John Di Filippo. And Kirk Cousins, apparently not what you'd expect between an offensive coordinator and a quarterback, particularly a quarterback you would hope is a franchise quarterback. So extremely disappointing when you sit down and think about that. Matt Martin wraps up this segment saying, we are not the segment, but this section saying, we are past the scripted plays. Now we see what this new OC got. And yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. He ended up being a uh, pretty... Solid player for us. Uh, pretty solid player. Pretty solid coordinator for us. Pretty solid game plan and balanced. And I'm impressed so far. Now let's see him do it against better teams. Even against Detroit on the road, I think is more challenging than against the Miami Dolphins in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Even though the Dolphins have had an okay season, it's still not been that great. At the end of the day, uh, they're just and obviously they're the way their defense is struggling, and of course the missing safety, the star safety of the. Miami Dolphins definitely a problem, so we'll, uh, we'll take it. We'll take what we can get. That's pretty much all you can say about the National Football League these days. Now we head to the face of craze, but first a shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, I want to thank Trevor Wickerin, the founder of that Facebook page, for allowing me to post links to the most recent show. Very, very much appreciated. Um, really appreciate you each and every week for allowing me to do that. MN Vikings Haven uh, in game threads, post game threads, news, comments, rumors, whatever it is, you can comment, enjoy the conversation on there. Very, very, very nice place. I encourage you to join it and thank you again for allowing me to post the link to uh, Pearl Mafia on that page. Greatly appreciated. So, I think, don't think there was anything outside of just the threads. And no, there are not. So now we'll de- briefly look into the in-game thread of passo. This thing is becoming much more of a mess than it was before. I'm getting kind of frustrated with it. It's not making a whole lot of sense anymore. Why is it putting all my posts in the same spot and throwing peoples all over the place? It's just a complete mess. I'm not happy with this, how it's turning out. Yeah, they're screwing this up, so (laughs) I'm not happy. I might just go to the post-game thread. Is there anything in the, uh, yes, there is, the most recent show, the Emerald curtain. Leland Albertson, here we go, says, thanks, Joey, for the generous compliment on my post. Maybe the change in play calling will spark the team knowing heads will roll at the end of the season can put drive into a person's output, and that's for damn sure. That's for damn sure because people absolutely could get fired this year. Certain people, certain members, I don't know what happened to the in-game thread. I don't know why it's doing that. It's just I'm getting tired of this. I was was noticing it all day. Pretty ridiculous. So we'll get to the post-game thread for now and kind of move from there not even showing him. This is irritating. Okay, Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota says, see what happens when you run the ball in Zimmer? We trust. (laughs) Leland out of Iowa says, much, much better. Nice game calling. Eric Mustard says, a bit shaky after the start of the second half, but the defense was hitting on all cylinders. And Eric Mustard is in uh, rural Minnesota, if I remember correctly, hitting on all cylinders, which was enough for the offense to collect themselves. Now, if the O can be consistent, not necessarily great, just consistent through all aspects of the game, we might have a chance in the playoffs. And okay, you know, it's not all over yet. It definitely isn't. Mr. Again, it's all about if we can have a sizable enough lead with a good enough offense with all these weapons, and of course, the defense keeps you ahead, keeps you ahead, maintains the lead because they're such a damn good defense, maybe you can survive a blue screen of death type of moment from Kirk Cousins. As long as he doesn't do it at the big, big moment, at the big, big game. That's the fear. And so far, Kirk Cousins' record against winning teams has been just flat putrid, like 8-24 and or something like that. That's, like, god-awful. It's got to be better. It's got to be better. So, Mark Carlson from Iowa Purple Mafia Hall of Famer says, like a hot grill, cooking with cooks. (laughs) Left a nice sear on the field, and the sacking machine was switched on the dialed-up-to-high mode as well. Skull Prova Mafia. Thank you very much, Skoll. Mark from Iowa, indeed. Brent Jake, that would be Brent Jacobson, says, not sure if the Dolphins are that bad. If Stefanski made that much of a difference or or what, but I love this ass-kicking we put on the Dolphins today. It was very impressive, and yeah, he's not sure what the deal is. Were the Dolphins this bad or was Stefanski that good? Might have been a combination of both. Like the Dolphins have been awful on the road. They've, they're like, what, like 1 in 11 or something in their last 12 on the road? It's the last couple of years. It's like insane. And then Kevin Stefanski, you got the sugar high side of it, but you also have the better approach. Like when Pat Shermer took over, it was better. It was obviously better. And that's why Pat Shermer is a head coach because obviously it was a more balanced approach and it also reflected on plays that, well, you don't have to have the best offensive line of all time to get the playoff and to complete the pass. Uh, you know, uh, quick screen passes, this and that definitely helped. It was quick plays rather than what Norv Turner was looking for for some long passes down the field, which did not give Teddy Bridgewater time to get rid of the ball before he got sacked or strip sacked in Arizona, which re- which caused the Vikings a chance of maybe uh, multiple home games in 2015, which would have been really freaking cool. Brett McCarthy says, loved this game plan. Vikings win out. Skoll and Gerald String out of. And again, Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota. Gerald String, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Brent Jacobson, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. Uh, Mark Carlson, of course. He says, just got home and reading some of the comments. Excited to watch and Game Pass tonight. So, yep, Gerald String was not available earlier. Not a whole lot of comments in this one. A bunch of back and forth conversation in the in-game thread, which was very, very, very enjoyable, I thought. I think everybody uh, had fun today talking about this one. Just a few scary moments. Again, the pick six that drove everyone absolutely up the wall. And I'm still not understanding why it's set up this way. Uh, Brad McCarthy was saying, Happy Holidays all. Here's to a new offensive coordinator and a win. And yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you as well. Justin Mayor or Josh Mayor Henry very active. Uh, Yankee was asking why why the need to, for a quarterback sneak on second and one. Well, because well the offensive line protection hasn't been that great on some of those short situations when running the ball. And quarterback sneaks are extremely like them or not like them or not they're extremely effective. They are whether you're Tom Brady or Russell Wilson they're extremely uh, extremely effective. And Tom Brady's like great at those by the way and. Kirk Cousins was two for two on him. So Eric Mostard was saying, run all damn day. Great day for Eric Mostard, I think. I think he was uh, outstanding throughout the entire show. I think Eric Mostard is going to deserve the gold star for this episode. Going to give it to Eric Mostard. He's, uh, oh, yep, he's from South Dakota. Okay, here's the Friends of uh, Tony Coleman. Eric Mostard is going to ring in the gold star for this episode. Silver star. Mad Martin for sure. I mean, without a doubt, Mad Martin, absolutely awesome, like he always is. Miss, miss the calls, miss the, uh, <laughs> miss the uh, audio submissions. But it, it is what it is. Sometimes you don't have time, or you don't get it to me before I record, or but you still can do it, and there's no wrong, nothing wrong with that. That guy is just unbelievable. Brent Jacobson, same thing. Love the phone calls and or audio submissions, whatever it is. All of you out there, don't forget to do that. It's more than, uh, you're more than welcome to do it. It's more than welcome on the show. I love hearing what you have to say, and I'm sure the listeners love hearing you as well. I mean, I have never heard anybody complain about any call, ever. So, even if you rip the Vikings, if if it's your opinion, and you're frustrated about a situation like last week, that was awful. And, of course, the Patriots game was awful. So, you had every right to get mad and frustrated and scream and yell. That's just how it goes sometimes. Um, again Matt Martin got the silver star Eric Moss star, gold star the bronze star well I mean Brett McCarthy, Josh Mayer, Henry you guys could get it every week, you're spectacular, I'm going to give it to you guys this week for sure uh, very active throughout the boards and uh, really appreciate the conversation throughout the game, it just keeps things really fun, entertaining both of you are going to be in the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame sometime very soon absolutely so uh, one of you for sure, I think, is going in this year, <laughs> for sure. So just a little hint at that. I want to thank you guys so much for those of you that have told your friends about the show. Of course, uh, looks like Eric Mustard, uh, Mr. Uh, Tony Coleman, told him about the show, from what I can tell. I really appreciate that, and thank you guys for uh, making me a part of your Monday morning, Sunday night, or whatever the situation is, depending on when the game is. Maybe Black Friday, right, if it was a Thanksgiving game, like, like last year and the year before. A frustrating loss in 2016 and the awesome win in 2017 and that fun season that we all enjoyed, that was just amazing. <sighs> hopefully, hopefully there's still a chance something can happen. I'm stunned at the Philadelphia and, uh, L.A. Rams. Rams game. Still seven to six. What the heck? Very low scoring for the Rams offense. They have struggled mightily. And Philly's defense holding their own until that play. Todd Gurley just got about 11 yards there. So, okay, but it's Todd Gurley. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, Again, I want to encourage you to call into the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling it for the Purple Mafia Show. Do your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine. Greatly appreciated. Uh, The same phone line, you can get to it via facebook messenger by simply clicking on the call now button on the purple mafia facebook page facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show as i mentioned or purple yeah purple mafia show click on that it goes through facebook messenger so no matter where you are in the world it'll go to the same voicemail which is three minutes long unfortunately but it still works works nicely i highly encourage using the audio submission route which again you just use the free voice recording application on any smart device on the planet Treat it like a phone call. Keep it to five minutes or something like that. But, eh, you know, if you have a lot to say, you have a lot to say and it goes longer. It's not the end of the world. It's more than welcome on the show. Just don't expect me to hyper analyze every single thing. That's a, you know, if you can say like 900 things, I'm not going to chew on all that. I'm going to just let the listeners hear you and that's all that matters is that you get to say your point rather than me analyze everything you say. But, you know, I'll analyze some of it, but not the whole dang thing. <laughs> that would be kind of silly. It probably... I don't know, maybe you'd be annoyed at this probably, if anything so, welcome to the show, that would be spectacular if you could join, any of you out there, Mark Carlson Dave Hickey, always welcome Brent Jacobson, Sebastian Barton Sebastian Balls, Eric Mostar, Leland, hey, Gerald Sring would love to hear Gerald on here sometime, anytime uh, Brad McCarthy Josh Mayor Henry, Justin Mayor Henry you know, okay, I can say all your names forever and, and of course, Mad Martin spectacular, superstar there uh, with those uh, audio submissions, just like just a legend, man. Uh, great radio voice, great radio presence, very strong opinions that are just you know very, very, <laughs> very heartfelt and very well done at the end of the day. Very knowledgeable as well. With that, again, hope you can write a positive rating on iTunes, would be greatly appreciated. iTunes or Stitcher would be greatly appreciated if you could write a uh, nice, positive review, five star rating. It only helps potential new listeners to join the show makes it attractive for others would be greatly appreciated as i stumble all over myself saying that god bless all of you we're heading into the end of the christmas season already it's going very quick again which really sucks i would hate to have to see it all end and then we get into january and all that but at least the daylight gets longer and longer and longer and longer again and then before you know it it's spring and it's easter so (laughs) father time waits for nobody it is in a hurry all the time all the time So with that, we're going to sign off. A bit of shorter show today. Not as much to say from comments and such. Just kind of a chill, nice victory. And it felt good. Just like on AM 1500. That was a very short uh, vent line. Because there was nothing to vent. It was just a, you know, hey, it felt good. That was a nice win. Before I ramble anymore, I'm going to wish all of you a nice week. I hope it snows before Christmas again. Damn it, but if it doesn't, it doesn't. God bless. We will talk to you again next week. Hopefully another Vikings win.